0: You're listening to the Business As Usual podcast, your weekly discussion of all things business, finance and personal finance. And now, here's your host, Jason Hughes. Hey guys and welcome to
1: the Business
0: As Usual podcast, Uh, my name is Jason. This is a slightly different episode than normal, we did have an episode all planned out and when myself and Matt sat down to record the episode. We just sort of got chatting and we we pressed record uh, a little bit into the conversation and we just kept chatting and obviously you'll as you'll hear the conversation went on for quite a while and we just kind of decided that we were going to run with what our conversation ended up being for this episode rather than try and stop and try and have another conversation afterwards, it had got pretty late during the night at that point as well, and we really think that we did have a good conversation uh, here, so hopefully you enjoy it, let us know if you do like this kind of episode, we are looking at sort of shaking up the podcast a bit and revamping it a little bit now, this is episode 20, Um, so we're going to try a few new things in the coming episodes, Uh, hope you enjoyed this one anyway, Uh, let us know. And uh, we'll see you obviously next week with the next episode. Yeah, what was I saying? No, I. Um, yeah, I like I like getting up early. But I used to like during high school. Yeah. I did like a really weird. I pushed the needle really far and that, so I would get up at like four thirty. Yeah. And like start doing study, and it was like. I hated it for a while and like, yeah, you get a lot done. And it's like, oh, by the time like, oh, by the time you like sort of everybody else is starting their work, you've already had four hours of the day. Yeah. And like that whole thing. But then like, it's like, that's just pushing it too far. Um, Recently, I've been getting up, like I've been getting up early at six o'clock because I have to get my podcast out. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of just one of those. It's good that you're prioritizing that though. Yeah, like, so it doesn't feel like work, like I'm getting up, oh, I've yeah. got to be productive now, it's just like, oh, I've got to get up, like, check what happened in the US markets overnight, yeah. record, and then push it out, and it's like, it doesn't feel like I'm working.
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. How long does that take you normally to,
0: to sort of gather the information and then record? Usually by the time I'm finished in the mornings, it's like 6.30, so it takes half an hour. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I do 80% of the information gathering the night before. Um, yeah. And then I basically, like, I've got it, like, down packed, Like, I've done 140 episodes or something at this point. Holy shit. Um, so, I've got a pretty down pack, like, the um, routine. So, there's, like, a, there's a consistently at, like, six or six, between six and six o five. Yeah. In the mornings, there's an article in the AFR that wraps up what happened in the U.S. markets overnight. Okay. So I basically read that article. If there's something that's, like, particularly of interest, I'll, like, do a quick Google, like, check the Wall Street Journal, Market Watch, like, those sites and figure out, like, what my take on it is going to be. Yeah. And like, write it up. Like, I try to keep it to, like, a couple of sentences so it's not, like, a huge amount and then just record And usually the recording is four and a half, five minutes. And then I cut some stuff out and the final products, three, three and a half minutes. Yeah.
2: I looked at a TED talk the other day. It was on sleep. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's important, but in terms of, he talked about um, like mortality, like how mortality rate links to sleep and all causes of mortality are increased by having less sleep which is pretty crazy. They, um... Yeah, they I mean, did... make sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but they did a little study on, um, like, here in Australia, it's kind of like an experiment with daylight savings because yeah. one day you get one hour less sleep and one day you get an hour more sleep. Yeah. Because people are generally just stick to their alarms. And yeah. on those days, the day that you get an hour less sleep, it was something like 20% greater risk of a... Um, Heart attack or something? I can't remember exactly what really? it was. Yeah, it was something like that. Oh my god. Um, so I mean twenty percent higher I mean there might have been twenty percent more, say, heart attacks. And on the day yeah. that they it was flipped for the opposite.
0: Yeah. So you get twenty percent
2: less when you get an hour more sleep on that day.
0: I mean it all balances out.
2: <laughs> but it would just it just goes to show like how how important sleep is. And it he talked about like like you're talking about before with that four thirty wake up, there's like um, this competition in society almost about like working harder. And yeah. he's he basically um, was saying like it's it's dangerous. Like you need you need to get your yeah, nine hours sleep, eight hours sleep. Yeah. And not definitely. and not and not worry about the stigma behind it, basically.
0: Yeah. No, there's definitely that pressure. Of working hard like late tonight, and I've thought about it. Like especially this year, I've been like, oh, I, sh- I should really be working later into the night. There's a lot of hours there that I'm sort of giving up when I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, but then like I take a step back. i like, oh, I'm actually like I am doing a lot during the day. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, getting quite a lot of stuff done. Like, maybe like maybe I'm just trying to do too much. Yeah. If I'm having to stay up late um i quite like i listen to a podcast called college info geek yeah i've listened to it for years Mm, i've heard about Um, it yeah basically since it started um and it's quite interesting like it's been interesting listening to their ideas about productivity over time yeah um and essentially one of the hosts um what he does and actually both of them sort of have come to adopt this philosophy in that it like you just sort of whatever's exciting you at the moment mm-hmm. obviously keep keeping it rational like thinking big picture in some cases Whatever's exciting you at the moment like just do that thing yeah so it's like if you just like really want to learn to play the guitar then just do that and don't worry about the other stuff yeah and it's like and and understand that like you don't have to play the guitar every day for, like, four hours to for the rest it. of your life. Yeah. Yeah. If you get bored of it, then so what? Yeah. Go and, like, find something else that you like doing. And so one of the hosts does this in a very structured way where he has, I think, two-week cycles where he'll set his goals for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, like, his daily routine to be, like, if he wants to, like, read a certain amount every two weeks or... Um, he does a lot of languages Like learns a lot of languages So if he wants to practice His lang, Like a certain language For two weeks every day Yeah But it's just two weeks And then at the end of Like uh, he was like Oh I hated that And <laughs> it's like Yeah well like Don't I'm not going to do that The next two weeks Like I like that um, I definitely feel like I need more structure And that would help Like I don't
2: I don't um, Substitute sh- uh, Sleep for anything um, But I definitely need More structure in my day Something like that Would be good
0: Yeah um, so I've gained a lot from the podcast like definitely yeah. <clears throat> posting it every single day and I don't think I've missed a day yeah Um.
2: I mean that's probably why your like viewers in like increase your listeners
1: yeah
0: like it is just it so consistent. consistent yeah I think there was no there was I lie there was a week during January when I was on a cruise that I missed I think Three days I, I think you could be forgiven <laughs> Yeah, I was in the middle of the ocean Yeah Um, It was a bit difficult Yeah, But no, i like Yeah, I missed a couple of days there But like the days that I have been able to post, I have I am um, And it's, it's just been one of those things Like even when like I When I sprained my ankle And I had to go to the emergency room in the morning I hadn't posted it yeah. And then I, I still figured out a way to post it after the emergency room <laughs> Um, jeez um I mean there have they have admittedly been days where I've been like feeling absolutely horrible like last week there was a day where I had a really really sore throat um and you, I'd been still did, doctor yeah. the night before yeah and I did it I was just like yeah it's gonna be a short episode yeah yeah that's cool
2: I mean I um this week I've been working a lot with and last week uh there's a new guy at work and he's Fijian yeah. And he grew up on he's he's about 40, I think he's 46 now. Um and he's in the military. So he's just over here for a year sort of just doing a bit of study, I think, or his wife's doing study. Yeah. And he's just picking up a bit of casual work on the side. But we're talking about his past and he actually grew up on one of those really really small islands. Yeah. Where every day um you know For example, he'd go to school. He wouldn't, you know, wear shoes to school. He'd have to um, feed the pigs after school, go fishing on the weekends, you know, do all this sort of work. And he looks back and it was a very simple lifestyle, but he was very happy at the time, even though it was difficult. Yeah. And just through, yeah, just talking to him about his experiences um, growing up, just like learned a lot from that guy. Um, yeah it was funny actually he, he told me about the first time that they got color TV
0: yeah
2: and I think it was like in the 80s or something and they had a football field and they put the, <laughs> they put the TV on the football field <laughs> and had everyone sitting in the grandstands. Oh actually... my god. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they' were watching the rugby, but like they couldn't they couldn't um, hear any of it but they could see like and some they like they could barely on. see it as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he, he just said it was so amazing like he had as he sort of grew up there was so much culture shock as he went through um like even even the first time he had a shower and stuff like i thought that was crazy
0: yeah well showers are like relatively new things yeah like even as far back as like or, well, like the 60s even, yeah. like showers w- weren't all that common. Yeah. I guess it was like more a sho- Yeah. Like a shower is like a pretty hard thing to, or it's like, it's not that hard, but like- But I mean, you need it's pressure. Much, it's much harder than a bath. Yeah, yeah. Like the water pressure is really the difficult part. Yeah. And like, if you think about like old taps, like even like when we would have been growing up, taps didn't have all that much pressure. If you turn it on, it would be no. a trickle of water. <laughs> Like, and I, I distinctly remember, especially, like, my grandparents' house, which they'd obviously been living in for a while, um, you'd turn on the tap, and it wasn't, like, now when you turn on the tap, like, it, the water's white as it comes out, because it's got all, like, the air in it from the pressure, <laughs> Yeah, um, but, like, it would just, yeah, just be, like, a trickle of water.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I so, mean, it was very enlightening, and it's like, deep, but, like having a guy that had such a simple upbringing and the values that he has now and sort of what he's looking to achieve, they're, yeah. they're not like massive, you know, success and fame and blah, blah, blah. It's just all he wants is a pig farm and retire and have a house with his family and stuff. And yeah. it's just it's just very different to a lot of people that you're surrounded by. Like a lot of people are like pushing for um, huge wealth and all the rest of it, and it's just nice and refreshing to have a few people that aren't chasing that. If you know what I mean, yeah. Around just yeah. to sort of, just to sort of ground you a little bit. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is good, um, and yeah, I think you you realize like you take a bit of pressure off yourself when you you realize that you can. Be just as happy, yeah. Without all like, cause at the end of the day, it's the you're unhappy when you feel like there's stuff that you don't have. Yeah. And if you really think about it, most of that stuff is stuff you've put there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, your expectations.
0: Yeah, so you feel unhappy because you haven't reached like the goals you set for yourself, and like whatever. I'm not saying that it's bad to set goals or whatever. No. But also just sort of being like realistic with it and like understand that, yes, yeah. you can set these goals and it's good to set these goals, but if you don't reach them for whatever reason, that's not the be all and end all of happiness. Yeah. I guess um, it's just a lot of
2: comparisons too. Like I, I guess comparisons between people make up a lot of people's expectations for what they want. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, that goes on to like social media and stuff. And like you're talking about before, like getting rid of that, you kind of remove those expectations for people that um, might have a better job and are spending more money or whatever it might be just out of your life. So you're not putting that pressure on yourself to do that.
0: very weird thing I noticed and I I deleted Instagram before Oh, I did it, like, when I was doing my, like, year 12 exams. So, like, the last six months of year 12, I deleted them off my phone. But then there was a time, it was earlier this year, for some reason I deleted. I think it was while my phone was broken and, like, getting replaced and whatnot. The replacement phone, I just didn't download Instagram on it. Yeah. And then when I re-downloaded it, I noticed, like, when I opened it, and this is something I read online and later is there was like a stress response in my body when i opened it
2: really what do you mean vi- by stress response
0: it was very weird like like even i'll get onto it but it was a almost like a tightening in in my chest like a shortness of breath really? as i was like scroll yeah it was very weird and like i was very aware of it and then eventually like i wasn't i wasn't aware of it anymore like it just yeah, I'd open right. it and, like, I wouldn't notice that. And then what I did was I've deleted them now. And then on Sunday nights or whatever, I was like, oh, I'll just, like, open up Instagram on my laptop, see what people are, yeah. like, doing. And, and like, instantly, like, that was back. Yeah. Like, it's uh, not, like, severe, like, um, hyperventilating or anything.
1: Yeah. But
0: it's just, like, a, a subtle just shortness of breath that it was like, oh, like oh, got to keep scrolling, got to keep scrolling. Yeah. Like find out what's next. Like don't miss it. Don't miss anything here. It's very weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's probably not there's like,
2: a, there's a lot of people too. Like, I don't know if you've noticed it with your friends, but m- like some of my friends are like deleting it as well, like completely and just and Facebook as well. And they're like, if you want to contact me, like they gave like a two week period. Say, and they said, you know, give me, give me your number and then, you know, we can stay in contact after. Yeah. But that's the only way.
0: Like I, yeah, I've kept Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Purely for keeping in contact with people because like I'm not scrolling through my messages on Facebook. Like That was like the main, I, I get the people who delete it entirely. Like I think i am more driven from a privacy standpoint. Yeah. And like sort of being against Facebook like taking our data and doing bad stuff with our data and all that. Yeah. Um, in my view, like it's terrible, but also I f- feel like in my case and in almost everyone's cases, the damage is just done already.
2: Yeah.
0: Like they, they know who you are. Yeah. Better than of, you know who you are. Yeah. So yeah. it's like the damage is done. Like I'm going to get the sort of the benefit from Facebook messenger at least, um, to keep in contact with people. Yeah. Um, and I was, I really like, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I was watching, he's got a Netflix special, um, where he was, he was, he had a residency on Broadway for a while, yeah. uh, during 2017 and 2018, where he basically did the show every night, um, where he because obviously he's become known as like the big stadium rock star. Like he does these high energy shows and whatnot, like but he wasn't always known for that. Um, And now he's he did the show where it was just him, not he didn't have his band with him, Um, and he kind of like told stories about his life, and then played the songs that were about those parts of his life. That's cool. Um, I like that. It was really cool. Like there's this one. I mean, all all of it. Like I like he is like the best. Like musician in my eyes, like ever, um like yeah, he's just so all of it just really resonates with me, yeah. but like there was one about like his mum, and it was just one of these songs that's kind of like buried on one of his albums that nobody really knows about, and it's about his mum and how his mum's suffering from Alzheimer's, but how she always loved to dance. And so he wrote the song about, like, how, like, now when his mom comes over, like, they make sure the music's on because, like, it, like, lights her up. Yeah. And, like, she remembers that. She, there's a lot of stuff that's going from her mind, but, like, that she still remembers. Yeah. Um, and, like, that she said, yeah, we are But, like, the point yeah. I was getting to is he spoke about this time in his life where, like, he was sort of trying to break out. Like, he was doing all the bars and stuff in New Jersey, and he was trying to, like, make it bigger. And someone had a, someone he knew had a connection with some like sort of record label scouts or whatever, but they were in California. And they had to get to California in like three days. So they basically like packed up everything and drove across the country. Yep. Um, and like three days to get across the U.S. is like a thousand miles every day. Like, that's a long, long That is life. a lot of driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's basically driving all the time. Yeah. Like, basically, like, some people are sleeping, other people are driving. Yeah. And so, he, like, tells the stories, like, they get to, I think he said, like, Nashville or something. And they just, like, got split up. There were two cars and they just got split up. <laughs> and he says, like, and, like, back in those days, there were no no mobile phones it's like if you lost somebody like they're fucking gone (laughs) like they are out of your life (laughs) yeah and it was was just great like yeah you don't like sort of like think about that now like it's a big decision when people do delete social media
2: I think I think there's I mean I think there's something poetic in like being able to lose someone that easily (laughs) yeah I mean, you, like I was talking to that Fijian guy again and he was talked about people that he, you know, in his life that he doesn't, you know, that were very influential to him and he just can't contact them because it was at a time where there was no mobile phones yeah. and no one has any, you know, social media or anything and you just, they're just gone. Yeah, you well, know?
0: you think about like the people you went to school with. Yeah. You still know basically what they're all doing. Yeah. Because you follow them on Instagram and you're friends with them on Facebook and yeah, like all this, all this stuff. So you basically like you know what they're all doing. You know, what like, could you imagine and a meet up
2: like when you didn't know what they were doing? Like seeing oh that God, person. Dude. again? Like I just It'd don't crazy. even want to
0: see those people again. <laughs> like man, like you think about it, like those people are just horrible. Yeah. Like not all of them. Not not all of them are horrible people, but like, so it's just like like. But you follow them, and so you know what they're doing, but you really think about it, like, you don't know what any of those people... Like, you haven't spoken to those people since, like, the day you left. Yeah. Like, you've maybe spoken to, like, ten of them, if that. Since the day you left. And it's like, so... We've got these kind of false connections with people, and it's like, oh, well, you can't, like, unfriend them. That's true. <laughs> it's like, because, like, now they're going to, like, see, and like, why do you unfriend me? <laughs> Like we haven't spoken in four years, um, oh, well, that or like may. in some yeah. in some people, like I haven't spoken to you ever, yeah. And it's like, but we're friends on Facebook, and now it's like, it's, it's a very weird thing.
1: How about don't know. all the people it's... like
0: that? I sort of, like, I make an effort if I see people come to Sydney, I make an effort to like, if it's someone, like, like I care about seeing again, yeah. I make an effort to reach out to them and say like, hey, I like I see you in Sydney. Do you want to like catch up or something? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a very strange strange like, world that we live in you, where watch, you you watched Game of Thrones didn't you uh not like not while well, it's been on recently i've I watched like up to about season four and then that's lost right. a bit the, the point the point I could still make
2: <laughs> um, yeah, like in medieval times where there was like no mobile phones or anything, when you said goodbye to someone. Like you were gone for years before you came back. Like, yeah, you don't get that anymore. Like it just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, that. that, Yeah, you think about that. Like, if someone went, like, went a long way away, and like they'd be gone for several months. So that was like the thing. um, While I was reading that book about Cornelius Vanderbilt. Yeah. Like. Part of the problem during the California gold rush was the time it took to transmit information across the country. Yeah. Because it literally took, I think, like two months or it took a month to transmit a message across the country because you basically... You had to go across land, which was like basically impossible. Like only very few people had done it at that point. Yeah. The other option was to go... Sail all the way around the Cape Horn at the bottom of South America and then sail up the west coast of South America and up to San Francisco, which is a yeah. very, very long way. And so it would take like a month to do that. So, say you're out there digging gold um, to help your family, and <laughs> then some like family member dies. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hear about it until at least a month later. In some cases maybe a month and a half later, if like there's no ship leaving soon. And then you have to get on a ship and come back. Yep. And that takes another month. So you don't get back to your family until two months later. When I mean that's that's on.
2: even if they can afford say, say they couldn't afford the ship. Maybe you yeah. might not get that message until you get back home. And maybe yeah. you're out there for a year, year and a half or something.
0: Yeah. So it was like very very different time. So, that's like part of like the Panama Canal, all of that. Um, back then, they actually built a canal through Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, like that's cut that cut that time down significantly. Yeah. Like you get across in like a week or so. Yeah.
2: yeah
0: I mean, very, I do very like... time.
2: I do like things of like sending letters and stuff like how they used to compared to now because it's... It's so easy to contact someone now. It's like you're, uh, not necessarily a bad person, but somewhat lazy if you don't contact someone because it's so easy. Whereas before, you know, a letter at least required a little bit of effort to write and then send and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, i I wonder. Like, I feel like letter writing itself is a bit romanticized yeah. in some ways. It's like, oh, yeah, you could write, but like, what, like. I mean, part of it is like, well, I know what's going on in your life. I've seen it on Instagram. Um, so, like, what are we gonna? Write I mean, there's no. Letters? There's no
2: point in letters now, obviously.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, part of it is like we've just moved past the point of actually needing to write long form communications. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I I do think like even doing things like this, like just having a conversation. Yeah. Like, sort of a long-form conversation. Like, you, you don't do that anymore. No. Um, like, well, when I mean, people, when people seen... even friends, meet up. They meet up, like, for some reason to do it. Yeah. And they're doing something and then they're always on their phones. Um, yeah, it's a That's shame. the other thing. It's like, I've realized I've, like, lost track of where my phone is now.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, people during ask me the as day, well. like, sometimes. People are like, where's your phone? I'm like, I don't know. It's at home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like why, why is it at home? I, I don't need it. Like, if someone wants to contact me, they can wait, surely, like, two hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it becomes, like, I mean, yeah, I'll just, like, leave it somewhere. Like, oh, where did I, where do I leave it? Like, yeah. just because it's, like, I'm not scrolling through stuff. And it's I think that we've we've run into this world where we have the internet all of a sudden. And we're facing um like it's the big, I'm sure that I'm sure there's examples through history of similar things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like cigarettes or something. Where people are just like, Oh, this is great, like this is like Yeah. And then didn't realise the dangers of it. And yeah. like well not even the dangers of it, like I think that's a very like middle school sort of watch out for cyber criminals sort of way of putting it but it's more just yeah the damage it's doing
2: I reckon I was like the end of sort of that generation where they had like I didn't get social media until say I don't know year 10 year 11 kinda I didn't get you Instagram until I was what was I in my fourth year of university yeah so I was I had you know I was brought up without it kind of thing and I watched people as they went through university, those people that had it earlier yeah, and they really struggled to talk to people like th- yeah. there would be a social setting and because I was a um, student leader, you sort of facilitate conversation between people and I'd go up to someone and they'd be standing by themselves and be like, well, you know, what are you doing? You're, there's people over there, like you're sitting by yourself. Is everything okay? And they said to me, I don't know how to talk to people. I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't
0: know how to talk to people? like mm-hmm. <laughs> you, just, well, you just talk I mean I I must say like I do sort of resonate with that quite a bit because I I don't have a, an issue talking to people but in social situations yeah. like just people just hanging out Yeah like I'm Okay to put it in context like, it was a, a
2: a it was a social setting where everyone was new so no there yeah. was no clicks.
0: Or yes, like so, that. but like I wouldn't be like someone who would sit to the outskirts. Like I'd still sort of join the group, but like I'm not necessarily the person doing all the talking. But
2: for example, you would um, know how to
0: introduce yourself. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. like this person didn't know how to introduce himself pretty much. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crippling.
1: Yeah,
2: and I've seen it a lot with, you know, people as they come through. They just sort of struggle a bit more. I
0: don't know. yeah yeah definitely there's there's a level of um well I was, I was actually having this conversation with um so i'm basically at my job through like an agency at the moment and i had like the the person who basically hired me um come in on friday just like do like a catch-up like review sort of thing yeah and we just got talking about she has a like, a, one one of the the people that she's placed at another company who had their mother call her about some issues she was having at work.
2: Her mother called her about
0: her and this, mother's this pers- issues? This person, no, no. Her mother, like, this girl, like, I don't know who she is, but she's, like, 19 or 20. Okay. Would have to be to work in this job. And her mom, and she was, like, having some problem at work. Like, obviously, I don't have any details. And her mum called essentially the employer. Oh, oh, okay. To discuss it. Instead of her because she couldn't. Because she didn't know how to, like, talk to someone like that. Yeah, right. And it's like, that is... That's insane to me. It's like, like... Well, one, like, because, well, you're an adult, I, like, your employer can't give any details about you and your employment to somebody else. Yeah. It's, even if it's your parents, like, they're just another person. Like, yeah. <laughs> it sh- it just seems wild. And, like, there's definitely a level of, I've kind of had to, like, do a little bit of, like, have a little bit of a learning curve myself at work. In terms of what? In terms of figuring out, not so much figuring out how to do things, but figuring out how the older generation works yeah. um, in terms of sending emails. Like when do you send an email and when do you pick up the phone? Yeah. Um, because not that I can't do do those things. Like we're just sort of in a generation where sending the email is our default. Yeah. Like our default isn't Non-verbal. to pick up a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. send it there. Like you're not intruding on the person. You're not like whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. They can
1: read
2: it at their own leisure.
0: Yeah. And and there is definitely a time when you that is the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. Um, but. But sometimes yeah, you've got it's people just figuring that, you know, out. they just can't be bothered.
2: Like for me, sometimes I'll call someone. I'll because I can't be bothered texting it out. I mean, like I just called you because you know yeah I didn't want to text it. This is my answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, there's definitely um, it was it's just yeah a matter of figuring out that generational divide. And you find like the older people, and the older people are the more they prefer working on the phone. Yeah. Um, like my boss is um he's 60 now yeah um and he like he works on the phone yeah well i think like too- everything he does like his instinct when i like come to him and say oh do you know like this thing about this client or that thing about this client um his instinct is he goes to pick up the phone and like so much so that he knows a lot of his client's phone numbers off by heart
1: yeah
2: I I think it has merit though because also in a business setting you obviously want to you know build relationships with people and for me personally I I don't get anything out of like written text like really yeah on, on a phone like if someone texts me like it doesn't generate like an emotional response or anything it's just like flatlining yeah. whereas yeah. if you're talking to someone you, you know you can put a bit more emotion in there and they kind of you feel a bit more back as opposed to yeah. just reading something?
0: Yeah. I don't know. No, I you think. definitely do. Definitely like there's a level of, in my business at least, you'd need to talk to customers um, and you need you need to just like, like pick up the phone and have the conversation with them. And like the reality is, like it, it's kind of like when you when you start, it is a little bit scary. Like oh, that, like that's the customer. Like you can't. Yeah. Like what if I say something wrong? But like the reality is that the people. grand
2: scheme of things, it doesn't ma- like matter really.
0: Yeah. Like I had a like they don't care. Was it yesterday? I think I called a customer called me, and then I was like, I was just like in a bit of a spin. I was trying to get stuff done. It was like just before cutoff times were gonna hit, and I was like, yeah, I was just in a total tailspin. And I, like, picked up the phone and was like, no worries. And the customer was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm so busy. I'm just tripping all over. I was like, yeah, no, no worries. I, I understand, mate. And, like, we got on with the conversation. Yeah. But like, no, that's something, I, like, a lot of people would be terrified of, like, making a, a mistake like that. But it's, it's just... I think they the appreciate it, it somewhat as well. It's like you're human.
2: Yeah, the like they, the they know as well.
0: they know you're human, and like, I mean, you do, you do get the odd person who's like, gonna treat you horribly and just like want stuff out of you. Yeah. But like, those people are just really really nice people, and if you make a mistake, they're gonna be like, oh well, yeah, I make that mistake all the time as well, <laughs> so like, it's totally alright.
2: Yeah. Have you ever had those um, what do they call them? Telephone marketers. That's it who call but then just have like a general conversation not relating to what they're trying to sell you. Mm. I've only ever had a
0: couple and it was really strange. I've had I've had a few from um not necessarily marketers but you know anytime you go to a financial any sort of financial services website you make an account. Yeah. Um like whether that be like a brokerage account yeah. or a yeah. um like any anything like a couple of days later, you get a call. Yeah, I got that with FP Markets actually this time. Yeah, FP Markets will do it. Um, like really they will really do it. And yeah, so it's I think it's a legislation thing. I feel I think I have to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. which is why they do it without fail every time. Um, but yeah, a couple of times like I signed up for one. A little while ago, and I ended up just having a chat with the guy, and then he was like. Like he said, obviously up front, like, hey, I'm like calling out this thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, like whatever. And um, I mentioned why I signed up or whatever. And then we ended up just chatting. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't had like an outright telemarketer call me and have a <laughs> chat with me.
2: No, I mean, there's a difference in um, language that my account manager uses as well. Like it's not formal. Yeah, it's very colloquial, which is I don't know. I think it's kind of cool, and I know one yeah. of the guys who also has an account manager, and he goes out for beers
0: <laughs> with his account manager. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. They must have just one day on the phone or something gone. I wanna grab a beer? <laughs> yeah. And well, like, I mean, yeah, sure. like,
0: like most, if you live in Sydney and you're yeah. dealing with these people, like, yeah, those people might be working three buildings down from you, like. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting thing that like I've sort of had you that's what I've realized is the most critical thing that I've learned from working. It's not like the finance knowledge or the um technical skills in figuring out like products or whatever. It's like the I mean, it sounds a bit like cliché to say the people skills. Yeah. But like it's kind of the only way to put it. It's like the figuring out how to deal with people, yeah. um, and how to deal with certain like certain types of people. And um, it's definitely like becoming more and more mediums. important.
2: Like I look at it, and oh, I don't. I don't communication think it's becoming skills. more and more important. Well, I mean, in um, terms of, um, I meant to say, in terms of like scouting for people. Like I'm doing like a bunch of job applications at the moment and like yeah. all of them without fail is obviously going to have communication skills as one of their um, requirements of the job.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've found that's been pretty, um, well, not successful in getting me jobs, but just in sort of like it gives me a good feeling is just calling up the office. Yeah. It's, and um, saying...
2: That's people who I've... Like no, that's how they've gotten jobs. Yeah, it's not through the emails. It's calling them. Yeah,
0: and sometimes like even like you call up and say, like, hey, I saw your ad on Seek. Is there someone I can have a chat to about the role? Um, and then sometimes they'll sometimes like they'll shut you down and just say, oh no, we just take applications for Seek. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, thank like thanks for your time. Or whatever like yeah n- yeah that, put that, the application that. in like yeah. as but like the the trick is to um like start with your name like yeah. hey like this is my name I'm calling about the add- on seek for XYZ position uh, is it someone I can talk to? because then they know you and' it's yeah. first name last name as well is the tip I got yeah the, um don't introduce yourself as like just your first name because. Well, there's yeah. ten million of you. Um, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, like first name, last name. Then they'd know you and even if they say, Oh no, sorry, we just take applications through Seek, well you don't know, like maybe you just caught them like in a really bad moment, like they're rushing to get something done and the phone's just rung. Yeah. Um but when they see your when they see your resume come through, it's like, Oh well, that that's the person who called, like I remember that. No, yeah. I'll have a deeper. It'll look definitely or... help
2: with even just getting a interview. Like yeah. I, I doubt there would be many people that would get like would call. Yeah. Like say no. out of a company that gets like a thousand um, resumes in, you know, there's only gonna be a handful of people that called.
0: Yeah. And I've like I definitely know because I've been going down the whole investment banking recruiting route and they basically recruit if you don't show up to their events, like their events at their offices and stuff. It you're not ruled out, but like you decrease your chances a lot. Yeah. Obviously, they don't rule you out because not everyone lives in uh, proximity to the office and like all this stuff. But if they know you, like you've got a much better chance. And then the other thing is during the interview. Obviously, there's. Um, like technical and like technical questions and you've gotta you've gotta be able to answer the technical questions and all of this stuff. But yeah. the overwhelming thing I've got and I've had like I've gone for drinks and stuff with VPs and whatnot in investment banks and the overwhelming thing they've said is like our job isn't hard. Like it's not like it's not hard in a sense that you've got to know all this fancy stuff. Like we can teach this to somebody. Like a lot of what investment bankers do could be automated. Yeah. But it's not the important stuff that investment bankers do that can be automated. Yeah. Um, right. it, the important stuff is talking to the clients and talking to your coworkers and coming up with ideas and all this stuff. So when you're in an interview while they are asking you questions that you need to answer correctly it's more a sort of and and sort of test of do they want to work with you do they want to sit next to you for 10 hours a day
2: yeah and i mean i can not uh, what book was it it was i think it was called blink um i watched it on audible I Listened yeah. to it on audible and it basically um, went through how long it takes for someone to get their perspective on you. And it's literally... The power
0: of thinking without thinking? Is
1: that
2: uh, it? Uh, that's probably it. Does it have a blue cover? Uh, a white cover with a with blue text? Uh, it could be. Um, yeah. And it's basically the ability of someone to gauge someone else is done in a matter of seconds like they did this little test and this is sort of related to an interview when you walk in and sit down and stuff, how you sort of hold yourself. They did this little test where they showed, I think it was like five to 10 couples or something, just having a conversation. Yeah. And for 10 seconds, they watched the clip and were able to accurately predict whether or not those people would be together and, um, a couple of decades or whatever it was down the line. It might've been a decade down the line. Yeah. And they showed that there wasn't much difference between 10 seconds and five minutes. Like yeah. whatever no, you
0: That's the advice I've heard.
2: Yeah. So or, like it's kind of hard to fake how you appear to people, but people are going to judge you based on literally the first five to 10 seconds. Yeah. And usually they're pretty good about it. They're, they're pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. They'll get it right. Yeah. And like a lot of the um, sort of interview tips that I've heard, like I don't know how many interviews have you sort of been to? Oh, me? I've only been there to a cut, like a handful. Yeah. But like generally like the sort of um, like the way it happens is like you wait somewhere and then the interviewer will come and like yeah sort of find <clears throat> or come and... I call you in and you'll walk with them to an interview room.
1: Yeah.
0: Like what I've heard is that that sort of obviously the greeting the person and then the walk to the interview room is the most critical part of the interview. Well, that's that's it's not where you're like tested, so you're more relaxed. Yeah. And it's the part where they get where they're gonna get a feel for Who like you actually are as a person. Yeah. And so like what I've heard is like, and obviously it's going to depend on the firm and whatever, know who you're interviewing with, but when you're walking to the interview room, like make a little bit of small talk. Yeah. Um, like one of the interviews I had that went successfully was at, um, Commonwealth bank. Um, and. They, uh, it was in the Darling Harbour office or their, their office on Surrey street. Um, and they have like, uh, have you ever been to like a modern corporate office, like a high rise building? No, I haven't. Um, so the elevators are really funky these days where essentially you press, you press what floor, like they have got these um, touch screens and you press what floor you want to go to. Oh, fancy. Um, and then it, they'll have like, you'll be in a hallway with like 10 elevators. Um, and it'll tell you the number of the elevator that you need to go to. Yep. Um, and But it's not like super obvious. Like it's kind of convoluted. Like unless you know that's what it's doing. Like it's kind of easy to miss. Okay. And generally it's going to point to the one that's like right there anyway. Yep. Like that's already on the floor you're on. Because yep. generally you're in the, the lobby. And so you press the button, it's like, oh yeah, that one, and then you go and get in and it takes you up. Um, And it essentially fixes the problem of going and stopping at every floor as you go up. Okay. Um, And so, but like the first time I I went into CBA's office and I just like had no idea how to use this this goddamn (laughs) elevator. (laughs) <laughs> um, like i was like what is like what is going on here because i think they had them like l- labeled using letters or something yeah and i just yeah i had like no idea what was going on um and i ended up on the wrong floor and then like by nature of it being a bank once you get onto a floor like you can't go any further because um, you're locked
2: there you-
0: yeah unless yeah. you're like especially certain floors, like you're not, like you essentially end up on the like little like hallway and there's a door on either side going into the offices, but you can't get in there. It's so, like you can't even go in and ask someone for help. <laughs> you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so like here I am, like I'm supposed to be on floor 32 and I'm floor 16 and I'm like, what, what is going on? Um, eventually I figured it out. But yeah, I got up there and then waited for the like, interviewers to come and they were like two middle-aged ladies and while I was walking to the room I was like how do you work those elevators because like I just got here by like total luck and they laughed <laughs> and I was like yeah when they put those in like none of us knew how to work them it took a couple of days and it was just like one of those like it just like kind of broke the ice it's like okay like we can yeah. talk like like we said before like we're all humans and, like, sometimes these things happen. It's like, oh, I, I couldn't figure out the elevator. Yeah. Like, like how she, I'm, like, here, I'm going to try and impress you with how much I know about finance, but, like, I couldn't figure out... Couldn't work the elevator. the elevator.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, like, and so, yeah, it sort of breaks the ice. And, like, I ended up getting a, a second interview um, out of that one. There's two interviews.
2: Um, Interesting.
0: Yeah, most... um most sort of jobs in banks and stuff will have at least two um, yeah right i know with the investment banks you can have like six or seven at least
2: For um, what kind of role just like entry level
0: yeah intern
2: wow intern six or seven
0: yeah but like not not like you come back six or seven times it's like you go in um you have like you have an interview um, and then, so you'll have an interview with say, um, a an analyst, like a second year analyst or something, and just like have, have that chat with them. And then they'll, um, then they'll go and maybe an associate will come in and you'll have a half an hour chat with them. And then okay. maybe the, a HR person will come in and you'll have an interview with them and then a VP will come in. So you'll have like four interviews in a day. Yeah. Um, so like in that sense, like you can kind of see it as one interview, Um, but you're interviewing with several different people throughout the day. Um, And then the generally with those sorts of firms, you'll have first round and final round interviews. So you'll go and interview the three or four people that you're going to interview with
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then... If they if they like you, they'll call you back, and they'll call back, like depending on how many roles they have, obviously. But they'll call back generally about double the amount of like spots that they've got, um, okay. And yep. then sort of do higher level like interviews with the like vice presidents and managing directors, and yeah, we well, I guess like, you've got like to cut it people. down before because their
2: time's worth more.
0: Yeah, and so that, that that's like your callback interview. So, generally, there's only two rounds of interviews, but.
2: Um, you have multiple with, interviews on each.
0: Yeah, on, on each On day, the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. On the first one and on the second one, you'll have oh, multiple right. interviews. Yeah. Um, it's, and that's like Australia's pretty lax in terms of interviewing at investment banks. Um, the US is very intense um, in terms of interviewing. Like, they can have, like, they actually have full days where they go in and they'll do like some of the banks still do those like team building activities where like you'll be with the other candidates and you're making a noodle tower. Yeah. Like doing those dumbass things. So like most of most <laughs> of the banks have figured out that those, like that's not a super effective way to interview anymore. Yeah. Um, just because like everyone's competing against each other and everybody knows how to do that stuff. So you don't get a whole lot of valuable data out of that. Um, But the, so a lot of them have stopped doing that and, are doing more like several, like a full day of interviews. So you'll go in and sort of interview literally like all day, but what they'll do is they'll like take you in, interview maybe one or two people, like with one or two people. And then you go out and wait again and you come back in for like another round. Um, and they have very structured interviews. Um, so whereas in Australia you might go in and you'll have like, it's kind of like you just chat to a bunch of people and some of them will ask you certain questions and, uh, like maybe technical questions. And some will ask you fit questions and like all this stuff. Um, but it's not like in the U S you'll go in knowing, okay, this is my technical interview and this is my fit interview and whatnot. Um, and then in Europe, they have a completely different model where they have assessment sensors. So you'll go in and sometimes it's before the interviews, Sometimes it's after the interviews. Um, it depends on the bank and what you'll do is you'll literally like sit down and like you'll do a test or you'll do, you'll do a series of tests. You do like an aptitude <coughs> test. Sometimes you'll do like a, like a math style test. Um, and then pretty, what's pretty normal is they do like a modeling test. Um, so they'll give you a sort like of like a, a financial model. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um are like making it, a clay model. <laughs> no. Um, like It's not necessarily like a full financial, like come up with a stock price for this. Like sometimes it can be, but more yeah. often it's um, model this transaction based on this basic information we've got. Yeah, um, and it's and it's usually like something that's impossible to do in the time frame they give you, but they just like to see how you approach the task and yeah, how much how you, you can get done. Um, I don't know. I think it's important to do that sort of technical
2: um, assessment in the interview because I mean, there's been a few friends where you'll have the intelligent friend and they will do the. IQ testing for the others. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: So, I mean... Oh, yeah. For like PWC and all of those firms, they de- like that is a thing. Yeah. Like so, big time in Australia, that's a massive problem that the big accounting firms face because they do um, computer tests. Yeah. Um, at so home. what
1: Yeah, is at that home. At, yeah, yeah.
0: So, what a lot of people do is they get together and they do the tests together.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's an effective way to get a good score, but it's not a true representation of like their intelligence. Like, for example, there was... It might have been on that trading show that you showed me. That you yeah. told me about the, just the new one. Yeah, not the, the Samuel Leach one. Yeah, I think it's that one. And they yeah. basically... They asked the guy, are you good at you know maths? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like... I know what you're talking about. And they're like, do 19 times 11. And they gave yeah. him thirty seconds. It's not that difficult. Yeah, you can just split it down into the things you know. Yeah, and um, he just he couldn't do it. Yeah, in the interview, and I mean it's, it like you could have people like that in Australia where they have the IQ testing done by their friends, and then they don't. Some don't do the technical questions like that in the, in the testing, in the yeah. interview. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So they definitely, yeah. That's a big, big, big problem here in Australia with um, specific, even, specifically specifically the big four accounting firms. Even like the what do they call it? Aptitude is that like the psychology?
2: Yeah. Like yeah. if you think you're a bit psycho, you can just get
0: your one of your level-headed friends to and and do it. <laughs> I did a really interesting one. Um, I can't remember which firm it was for. Um, it was a it was a boutique investment bank, and they'd they'd out or not outsource, but they'd use like a third party aptitude test. Yeah. Um. It was really interesting. It was one of these tests, like, you know, usually you can tell what, what answer they want. And it's the, like, Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like you I can like meant.
0: totally tell, um, yeah. but then you're like, Oh, but, but like, that's, that's not what I would pick. <laughs> that's not what I would pick. And so you, <laughs> you kind of try to balance the two because you like, you don't want them to like, know you're lying but you also like want to be a
2: decent human that they yeah you also like
0: don't want to say like kill the baby hippos (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so this one was really interesting though because you couldn't tell like part of it like i remember distinctly like several questions in the test were like these are all horrible choices like i like ideally i don't want any of these yeah right it like like, not obviously explicitly, but there's, like, you know, there's the whole, like, moral dilemma question where you can, like, there's, like, a train going down the tracks and, like, you can either press the button and it goes and kills and one person. And you can person. change the direction, yeah. Yeah. Like, so it changes the direction, only kills one person, or you leave it and it kills five people. Yeah. It was, like, what, like, those sorts of questions where it's, like, well, both are terrible. Yeah. Like, um... And yeah, it was really, really interesting. Um, and it it wasn't really one. What that you would could... you do? What do you mean? It, uh, I'm, with, with I'm asking one... you that question. Yeah. Oh. Um. Obviously, kill the one person. Yeah. Clearly. Um. Yeah. I think it, it's a bit of a stupid. Um, stupid. <laughs>
2: thing the way you have to it's... phrase it is like if you. I mean, it's it's difficult because you know. Each outcome, whereas in the moment, you don't know. Like, yeah. is it probability? I don't know.
0: The one I like, so the version I like is, um, well, I think it's a bit of a springboard for the conversation. It's not necessarily like a, like there's no hard and fast answer to it. Um, and the biggest sort of arguments I've heard well, not not necessarily argument I've heard because I think like most people I've spoken to said, oh yeah, well, obviously I would like change the direction and let the one person die. Mm. Um, But the sort of devil's advocate position that people take is that, oh, well, by um, changing the direction, you're directly doing something that ends up in someone dying. Whereas if you don't change the direction, it's like you're not touching anything. So it's like, you're kind of like less responsible. Yeah. Um, and like, we could debate that if you want to. But like the, <laughs> um, it's a kind of, a, it's a springboard for the conversation. Yeah. Um, I but think then it gets... I've heard an interesting sort of extension to it and it's like, okay, but like, what would you do if that one person is like your mother?
1: Yeah.
2: I was going to so, say like, what if it was you? You like that it would might,
0: die. Oh, that's yeah, Interesting. No,
2: like, it, but maybe you make it a little bit more work. Like, you make it worse, and say it's something to do with a bomb or something, and it's either you die, or I don't know. You could put a number on it, like two hundred people die or one hundred people die.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting because you do definitely have like the people who win like the Victoria Cross and all this stuff. Like they or, like yeah. Like, full-on put themselves, like, in, like, danger of dying. Yeah. Yeah. To save other people. Maybe there's...
2: And then you could make it a bit better by saying, okay, well, there's a 50% chance that 100 people will die if you do it this way, or there's a 95% chance that you will die if you do it the other. Yeah. It's, like, almost a sure thing, but, like, you might kill... You know, two hundred people, but you also might not, and you might also live. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. You can put it's, a lot of spins on that 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 question.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, like to have the, those uh, conversations. As long as you're not a psychopath in your answer, then I'm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's okay. Um, there's a bunch of them that are. Um, I think that there was one about a bait a baby. Okay. Here. Here, I found it super <clears throat> quick. You, your baby, and your entire townspeople are being chased by this band of bad people who will kill you all if they find you. All, all of you decide to hide in a secret place and are silently waiting for the bad guys to move away. However, you know that your baby will cough and the band will hear him. Then they will find you, your baby, and the townspeople and kill all of you. So you have two choices. Either you kill your baby and save yourself and the entire town, or you let your baby cough and get yourself, your baby, and the entire town get killed. Far out. What, what do you do? Um, I feel like I'd have to run
2: it, run the gourd. <laughs> I, I, there's no way that I don't like.
1: I
0: could do that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like, like part, like sort of one way you can look at it is just completely. Uh, like human instinct logically yeah like logically you're like oh well one person versus 300 people clearly one person but then yeah. like the like there's the difference between killing someone and letting others be killed yeah um and that's the whole thing yeah that's part like a big part of it and then also like we assign different value to babies versus yeah. like grown up people especially your
2: own baby yeah like i think that i think that's usually put above everything else like you see so many times like mothers like their instinct is to put the baby first above all else yeah yeah and like plenty of you know mothers have died doing stuff and their baby you know survived
0: yeah man i Um, Have you seen the Netflix show called Now They See Us? Was it Uh, Now They See Us or When They See Us? I think it's When They See Us. What's When They See Us? It's about... um, Yeah, it's called When They See Us. It's about the Central Park jogger case um, from the 90s. I don't remember that. Um, Well, we weren't alive yet. I
2: Um, I mean, ever hearing of it.
0: Yeah. Um so essentially what happened um is in Central Park in New York there was a jogger that was raped and assaulted and like essentially left for dead and she was in a coma for a long time after. Yeah. Um after the, this happened it was in 1989 and these five boys um black boys um, which is important to point out for the story, were essentially charged and eventually convicted of this crime and like, sent to prison for varying lengths. Like Some of them were underage. Some of them were um, considered to be adults. Yeah. Um, and essentially what had happened behind the scenes is these boys, one, they were innocent yeah um they like one of them wasn't like literally wasn't even in the park that night um so they were innocent, but they had been like sort of brought into the police um uh, police station and deprived of sleep and food for like like twenty four or forty eight hours and like questioned and then they were uh questioned separately you're like delusional after that like yeah little sleep. yeah they they were they were delusional. And so they had – and they were questioned separately and that, like, the cops would then be, like – they, and they they, did the um, typical, like, good cop, bad cop thing. Yeah, um, right. Like, where, like, one cop's, like, getting up in the kid's face. Like, the kid's, like, 14 and he's getting up in the kid's face, like, slapping the kid. Um, and then, like, the another cop, like, comes in and, like, drags him off and, like, sends him out. And, like, all right, like, now I'm going to help you. Like, this is what you got to do. Essentially, they got them to all – admit to the crime Mm.
1: um
0: by essentially feeding them what they wanted to hear and they said like oh if you say this like you'll get to go home and everything will be all right like we just like we just need to know what happened um like we know like you didn't so essentially like they all admitted to being there really but like yeah so like they admitted to like essentially like being there and, like, maybe, like, oh, I held, like, her arm down or... Oh, my like, God. Like, and, like, and the other person, like, and, but, like, part of it is, like, they didn't even know each other. Yeah. Like, they didn't, like, um like, part of the questioning was, like, oh, so, like, one one of the guys is Antron. It's, like, oh, so Antron, like, actually, like, did the raping and it was, like, oh, I, I don't know who Antron is. Like, no, Antron did it. It was, like, yeah, yeah, Antron did it, like, several hours later
1: yeah
0: and so like it's just this like terrible terrible story Would they end up in prison and eventually many many uh well not many years later like several years later some other guy um who was in prison for an unrelated uh like but similar like rape and assault um and murders i think as well um admitted to the crime oh my and god! and so they all got exonerated Man, I hope they got a hefty payout. They did eventually. They got like several millions. Um Still. It's very hard it, to it's price still like seven years yeah. of your life. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Like a terrible, terrible story, but like the show is incredible. Like it's very, yeah. very well done. Yeah. Um and yeah, it was like just a Is it just on that case? Or is it like multiple No, so it's just that. It's like a dramatization of the whole thing yeah okay and like the first the first episode is about like that night and then them being questioned the second episode was kind of about the trial and then you, the yeah. third episode was about like because some of them get out like quite quickly because they were kids they were sentences kids so they weren't in for all that long yeah um but then like them sort of like well now they've come out as like 20 something year olds yeah And like how they dealt with being out and like, I'm sort of partway through the last episode, which is like really hard to watch. And one of the kids was mentally handicapped and he happened to be 16, which is like the age where you can be treated as an adult under the law. And he was mentally handicapped. He's the one who wasn't even there that night. Um, that, that's as the way the um show puts it i've I've listened to podcasts and stuff about it before uh, essentially the gist I get is he basically went down to the police station with one of his friends who was taken in to like kind of like just be there for him and he yeah. ended up being sort of dragged into the whole thing and so yeah, he gets right. sent to prison and like the prisoners think that they did this horrible thing, and so they like literally start beating him up and like Beats him almost to death. Yeah. Um, And so he gets put into solitary confinement for like many years. And like you just like sort of see it like just like break him.
2: That's like the worst sort of torture for humans. Yeah. I think. Is like solitary confinement for years. Because you would just go, you just lose your mind. It was a very, very weird. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure there's only, there's a set, there's a max limit on like how long you can put someone in solitary confinement for?
0: Yeah, like so it's only, it's only like I a think, couple of weeks or something. Well, I think what was interesting about this is that it wasn't—he wasn't in there. He actually asked to get, be put in there. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't in there to punish him. He was in there to protect him from True. the other inmates. Yeah. So like, when they sort of like balanced it and like balanced all their options. They're like, oh, well, like, he's kind of, like, he has to go in there because that's the safest place for him. That's such a terrible, I mean, Yeah, it's it's a horrible
2: story. I mean, there was, there was another one too, um, you probably like, it's called The Staircase, it's on there.
0: Yeah, I tried The Staircase, I found the filmmaking a bit weird.
2: It's, it's old. Um, Yeah. Um,
0: but the story itself is good. hmm I know and the you, story. You I've listened the, to have... several podcasts about the story. I just found the, the, Netflix show to be quite difficult to watch. Yeah, yeah. But that was because that was the one about the the woman. She like supposedly falls down the staircase. Yeah, and that's then the one. her wasn't her husband. Yeah. That like calls and then like there's all these inconsistencies because like she's got all these like, lacerations in her head. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: really weird. Did you hear um, about the alternate theory for it?
0: I heard about a bird or something.
2: Yes. It's the owl.
0: Yeah. The owl like comes and like killed her. But yeah,
2: like. With its tal- like talons.
0: Yeah. No, I, d- I did hear about that. Like it's been a while since I. Yeah. Since I r- listened to anything about that case. Yeah. Very weird. I, lo- yeah. I love those sorts of. I just hated the cases. whole. um, Sort of how the
2: case was run in the courts. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that at no- all.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard a lot about that. Yeah. Um. In uh, sort of linking back to what we spoke about last week, um, I watched the Steve Jobs movie. How'd you find it? It was it was pr- really awesome. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
2: Um, how did you like compared to the book? Did you think it had like a lot
0: of information sort of stuck in there from? Um, I think it was, was clearly like, based on the book.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but obviously the book's going to, I mean, it's unfair, yeah. it's unfair to compare a book and a movie and say, oh, well, the book had more information. Obviously. Um,
2: yeah. I, they, think, I mean, in terms of doing a good job to put a lot of information in the movie.
0: I think it was, it was, ve- it was a very well-made movie in that it got across the spirit of what Jobs wanted to create and sort of what his legacy was um, beyond the legacy of being the dude who invented the iPhone. Um, And so I I thought it did a really, really good job in that. The one complaint I had with it, though, is I felt Ashton Kutcher's portrayal was a bit like he was almost like he was a caricature of Steve Jobs. Okay. In a way, like, I felt... Not in every moment of the movie. Because a, a lot of the movie, he's actually... Uh, like, Jobs is quite quiet. And other people are doing the talking. Yeah. And Jobs is kind of sitting there, like, listening to it. And, like, he adds a few things. But there's, like, one or two points during the movie where he um like has monologues and I felt a little bit like Ashton Kutcher was being Steve Jobs of the keynote yeah like Steve Jobs up on stage and speaking like he's up on stage and like like I don't know like well we don't know if that's maybe what he was really like um but it kind of like dragged me out of the movie a little bit when that happened like there were a couple times there was one specific time where they were in a product meeting and he's like standing at the front and there's like the engineers or whatever um, sitting there and they're like they were planning like drop down menus and then he like um, are you okay what did you drop (laughs) is she okay yeah (laughs) <laughs> um he yeah, they're planning drop down menus and he like he has a flip out and fires someone. Yeah. But it yeah, it felt like he was kind out of, of like character. Yeah, it just felt like oh he it look feels like he's giving a presentation. Like it feels too rehearsed to be but then again like that might be what he was like. Yeah. Um, but also
2: it, like in order to Sell the movie. I I feel like you need to have someone that's more vocal, as opposed Mm. to someone sort of sitting back. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I I feel like like eighty percent of the movie he was sitting back and like being what I imagine Jobs was like. Um, Although there was one like point where he comes back when he comes back to Apple, and like you notice that famous photo of him that's on the cover of the book where he's kind of like staring directly into the camera. And he's like got his, well, he's kind of holding his chin. Um, I'm going to have to like, look for it. Yeah, like look up Steve Jobs. Um, probably if you look up Steve Jobs, it comes up. Um, Just yeah, staring
2: you, into his, with his black shirt on.
0: Yeah, so he's got the black shirt on. He's staring into the camera. He's kind of like got his chin. Yeah, he's kind of pinching his chin, so his like thumb like comes up, and like he's got his like finger like crossed over the front. Yeah. Um, and there's a photo. There's an old photo of him when he was younger, um, where he's doing exactly the same thing. And there's this, um, this scene in the movie where he's with one of the product designers, like one one of the like art artistic designer people, and he stands there having the conversation in that pose. and i'm like this just seems a little like a little bit over the top
2: uh yeah because i mean who (laughs) who holds their chin and talks
0: yeah like it was just a very um yeah like a very
2: i didn't pick up on that though
0: yeah i picked up on it because one i just read the movie and two because like or I'd, I'd listened to the book on Audible, and when you listen to it, the cover is on your lock screen. So yeah. for like 25 <laughs> hours, I had that exact photo on my lock screen. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was. Um, it was they a did really a good, good job movie. in terms
2: of selecting someone that looked like him. Because oh, his yeah, younger absolutely. photos, oh my God.
0: Yeah. And I really like I adore the ending of that movie where he's in the recording studio and he records that famous advertisement. I can't um, even remember it it's like this the, the this, ending um, um so he's there's this famous advertisement where it was um um uh, it's I'm gonna find it. where essentially, you know, they have the, um, you know, they have the, uh, whole tagline think different. Yeah. So this, this ad sort of came from, well, that, that tagline comes from this ad. Um, and he uses like a bunch of people like, um, Martin Luther King and John Lennon and like these people and the. Like, they give the speech, and I think Jobs recorded it. They tried to get um, Robin Williams to record it in the original ad, but for reasons he didn't. And I think Jobs actually recorded it in the end. And then it finishes with, end di- oh, think different. Yeah. Um, and then the posters were all think different. Um. Yeah. I think he- here's the quote I found that it's, Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. I like that, but
2: I don't know. I think on social media, that was, that was so overdone. What the, that? In in terms of, I've seen that, like those lines. Yeah. So often on like those, um, motivational sort of pages and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I love it though. It's great. And, and his delivery of it in the movie was, like, incredible. Like, you've got, like, the music that's kind of, like, set behind it. And, like, the pictures that come up. Because it comes up with, like, sort of, like, a, a recap of the movie. Yeah. Um, and he has this, like, emotion in his voice. Where it feels like he's, like, his voice is kind of cracking. Like, he's about to start crying. Like, saying it. Like, he, yeah, it was just... Like, that, I think, was the... At least... From the book, that was the Steve Jobs that I got. Yeah. Like the person who was just so passionate about what he was doing, not necessarily the person who was like this presenter or that was like through all his temper tantrums or although that's like what he did. Like the the idea of Steve Jobs that I got from the book was the. Um. Like the guy who was just so passionate about what he was doing and like kind of nothing else mattered.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I did I did I did get that from the movie though.
0: Yeah like what you said. It was a really, really good movie. I've actually I didn't watch it twice, but I watched like I like clicked through it and watched some of the scenes I liked again. Um there's a book I wanna read about um, it's by Walter Isaacson, who wrote the Steve Jobs biography. Another one, yeah. Um, I think it's called the Innovators. Is it on a bunch of people or just one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Innovators, um, and it's the subtitles: "How a group of hackers, how a group of inventors, hackers, geniuses, and geeks created the digital revolution." Um, and on the, so he's got Ada Lovelace in it, who is Lord Byron's daughter, who pioneered computer programming in the 1840s. Oh, wow. Um, then he explores the fascinating personalities that created our current digital revolution, such as Vannevar Bush, Alan Turing, John Van Neumann, JCR, Licklider. That sounds awesome, actually. Doug Engelbart, Robert Noyce. Bill Gates, Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs, Tim Berners-Lee and Larry Page. What's it called again? Uh, the Innovators. The Innovators. Yeah. It's by Walter Isaacson. Yeah. Um. So like some of the names in there. So Alan Turing. Have you ever seen uh, The Imitation Game?
2: So many times.
0: Yeah, that's a great movie. So that's about Alan Turing, obviously. Yeah. Um, And he like... It kind of touches on towards the end it touches on some of like his eventual um like his more I don't want to say more influential work, but um some of like sort of like more directly applicable to today work on computers. Um, things like the uh like the imitation game. Yeah. Like funnily enough his uh the movie wasn't too much about the imitation game itself. Uh, there was a little bit about it. Um, it was more about the
2: actual... Um, it was
0: more about the code breaking. Yeah. Which was kind of a bit of a side note in his life, at least his professional life. Um, I, I Actually, I got a book on him a while ago, and I haven't read it. Um, he's very interesting. Um, John Van Neumann was also extremely... Uh, extremely influential in information theory. Yeah. Essentially what he came up with was um a so when you write stuff, you sort of like you write like you write it out and we've got like the um, like the spellings of different words and the grammar and all the stuff. Essentially what John van Neumann did was he asked, like, how much of that stuff can we take out and still have it be, oh, like, understandable? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he figured, like, essentially he pioneered some of these ideas. Um, and it's called information theory now. Um, and so things like MP3 is directly yeah. applicable to that because essentially what MP3 is, is a stripped-down version of the audio file. So you literally take stuff out to compress it to make it a smaller file. And then the MP3 player essentially guesses what those missing bits are. Yeah, right. Um, and that's, like, directly from John Van Neumann. Robert Noyce was also very influential. Um, I think more so in AI, but... I'm not 100% sure on that. And then, obviously, Bill Gates, uh, we know what he did. Um, Steve Wozniak was obviously the guy who sort of made the computers. The engineer, At least the early computers at Apple. Um, and then Larry Page is Google. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. I'm very keen to read that book. I've got a bunch of other books. Uh, that I'm going to read first and then I'm going to get onto that one. Do you have that on Audible or do you have hard copy of that? I will get it on Audible when I get around yeah. to reading it. Yeah. Um, I struggle to read physical books. Yeah, I do like Audible a lot. Uh, Audible's brilliant. I need to get back into it, actually. Yeah, I've got a, bon- a backlog that I need to get through on Audible.
2: Yeah, and I ended then... up actually cancelling my membership there for a little while. Yeah. I've, there, was just, there was just so many books there that I hadn't actually touched.
0: Yeah, that's what I've done. Like, I've cancelled because I actually... um I did a survey, like, that they sent me an email one day and asked me to do a survey and then gave me five free credits for it. Oh, what? Where's, where's my survey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you had to be, like, the first hundred people Oh, to wait, do it. no, I
2: heard about this. I remember you talking about this
0: now. Yeah. yeah. Like, you had to be the first hundred people and, like, I did it and, like, so... I've got a big backlog of stuff um that I I want to read. So I'm reading um The House of Morgan at the moment, which what is one's about, that about it's about um essentially what we know today as JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley. Yeah. Um but pre-1930s they were one bank. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's about their history and sort of how they shaped how they shaped the world, essentially. Like, they were... um, So, there were three Morgans. Um, So, there was Junius Morgan, uh, John Pierpont Morgan, and Jack Morgan. Yep. And more so during Pierpont's and Jack's time, they were the most powerful people on the planet. Like, bar none. At least according to this book. Like, the... Like the Tsars of Russia and the Kaisers of Germany and the banks around the world banked with the House of Morgan. Like that's where they held their bank accounts. Yeah. And so the House of Morgan, like old Jack Morgan or Pierpont Morgan, had all the power that they could ever want and but the kicker was although they didn't necessarily have political power um to make decisions and like send people to war and all this stuff they also didn't have any didn't have to answer to anybody
1: yeah
0: it's like they just had like unfettered power and like even like to the to the point that they were financing uh the vatican oh wow like like, it was on like another level so like you know there was the whole treaty of versailles where um, yeah. after world war one uh which on which forced um like essentially assigned war guilds to germany oh yeah made them yeah. pay like these crazy reparations um essentially the and it, it's called the treaty of versailles because it was the conference to Decide on the terms of the the peace treaty was held at Versailles Palace in Par in Paris, um, and essentially, like most of the people there were Morgans or Morgan Partners, um, <laughs> because it was essentially it came down to a financial thing because the First World War had been so expensive. Like Europe was essentially on its knees, and the First World War was the time when. Sort of financial leadership of the world shifted from London to New- to New York. Yeah. Um. And so the Morgan Partners, who were literally running the world economy, essentially like they financed the First World War. Um, I'm gonna
2: have to. I'm gonna have to get you to send me. Yeah. A bunch of uh books that you've enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll round out this podcast with. Yeah. With that, because um, it is getting pretty late here. Yeah, um,
2: that's what
0: I So, I'll let you know some of the books that I really like. Maybe we can link them down below. Yeah, definitely, I'll do that. Um, but yeah, so just to finish the story, um, essentially, they, they were very in influential at the Versailles negotiations. Um, and then these repayments were so huge, it's like the the common story is are oh, the the repayments were so huge that forced Germany into a massive depression. They had their sort of like hyperinflation time, everyone's wealth was wiped out um and then that's sort of what gave rise to the Nazis yeah, um that's a general story um, and there were a couple of sort of rescue efforts um, the most the most sort of uh, famous of which is called the Dawes plan which is this plan s- set about by this a statesman uh his last name was Dawes um where they essentially <laughs> they, they make loans to germany so that germany can make their reparation payments um and essentially those then those payments become sort of more commercial style repayments if that makes sense yeah um so they repay a loan instead of making Re- war reparation payments um, and the Morgan's essentially the, ba- the bank of Morgan made like two thirds of that loan. Um, but what was really interesting was that essentially the, the British were very heavily in debt to uh, JP Morgan because of the first world war. So they'd like obviously taken on a ton of debt because of the first yeah. world war. Um, and they were using a German reparation payments to pay back JP Morgan, like pay their own debts. Okay. So for JP Morgan to get money back, to get their money back from the British, they had to bail out the Germans. So give the Germans uh, money so they could make their reparation payments to the British who would then make their loan repayments to Morgan. Um, so it was like this like cycle thing. And that that kind of sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And like part of like the story I've I've got to about the 1930s now in the book and kind of like the story between the first world war and the second world war is how their control of everything became so like so powerful that essentially they weren't, their diplomacy wasn't strong enough to stop everything collapsing Okay. Like they weren't they weren't able to sort of like work and get it, get everyone to agree to everything properly to stop it all collapsing. And so that's like in large part is why the Great Depression happened. And then after the Great Depression. And then the um, rise of
2: na- the Nazis.
0: Yeah, so the Nazis then rise in Germany and very directly, the, do you know what the Glass-Steagall Act is? I've heard of that. <laughs> Yeah. So the Glass-Steagall Act, essentially, I don't, I I don't think it's still active in the U.S. It's been replaced by something. I think it got, they got rid of it in um, in the, in the in the lead up to the
2: global financial crisis, didn't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But essentially, Glass-Steagall um made it illegal for deposit-taking banks to also deal in securities. Um. So that then created the separation between commercial banks and investment banks.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and the, the Morgan bank, um, was essentially doing both. And so they then split into JP Morgan, which remained as a commercial bank or deposit taking bank for an amount of time and Morgan Stanley, which was the investment bank. Ah, Okay, yeah. So that's why so we yeah, now. Yeah, I didn't have, even know that. <laughs> yeah, I I remember reading it at some point and I kind of forgot about it. But yeah, um, yeah. That's why there's the two Morgan banks still. Um, yeah. And like J P Morgan has become a, essentially, become an investment bank these days anyway. Yeah. Um, which is why it's it's more difficult to see the difference between the two. Um but yeah, so we'll finish off this podcast it is getting late um but I thought I'd tell you some of the books that I've read yeah go th- or that go I want go to read your audible yeah that's that's actually you... I've, I've brought up my audible here so I'll let you know um so the first one is um the Elon Musk biography by yep. Ashley Vance um that was really interesting as uh, a big short by Michael Lewis. Um, the, ah, oh, this is one. I haven't actually finished it yet. It's probably next on my list to finish is The Everything Store by Brad Stone. What was um, that about? That's about Amazon. Um, or well, it's about, like, kind of, it's kind of a biography on Jeff Bezos, but mostly it's about Amazon. Um, Obviously, the Steve Jobs biography, and then I've really enjoyed. Uh, I've really enjoyed the House of Morgan, which is by Ron Chernow. Um, so I went and found what else he's written, um, and the one of the next books I'm going to read is Titan by Ron Chernow, uh, which is about John D. Rockefeller. Uh, it's a yep. biography on him.
2: What was the um, one you were talking about earlier in the podcast? Uh, remind was, uh, me. Um,
0: uh, what's the author of Steve Jobs? What again? Oh, the Innovators. That's it. That's Walter it. Isaacson. Um, he also has a, a huge list of books I really want to read. Um, so he's obviously got the Steve Jobs one. He's got a biography of Einstein. That'd be which a good one. just seems like incredible to read. Um, he's got a biography of Leonardo da Vinci, which I think would be really interesting. Um, and he's also got an author of, um, Benjamin Franklin and Henry Kissinger. And I think he might have one on Newton as well.
2: I feel like I'm just going to have to go through his books.
0: Yeah. They're all like solid books though. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't think he's done one on Isaac Newton yet, but I can imagine he's going to. Mm. Um then just sort of like less business ebooks. Or the one more business ebook, sorry. Um Investment Banking Explained by Michael Fleuriat. Um specifically the second edition because it's been it was written originally, I think in the early 2000s and then the GFC happened and the entire investment banking industry kind of changed so it's been updated Um, oh yeah and um, quickly flash boys by Michael Lewis is about um, high-frequency trading and how that changed the face of in uh, markets um, and then two, or well, one I've read about half of is called um, Debt by David Graeber. I think it's the whole title is Debt: The First Five Thousand Years, and it kind of talks about how the relationship between debt and money and our history with debt, and it's very, very interesting. So I think those are the.
2: Uh, that's the, a good. Uh, that's a good head start right there yeah that should be
0: yeah those be are the at. the businessy books I've got yeah um but i I do also like i I read a lot of of those sorts of books you'll notice that a lot of like I don't think any of them are like how to do this or how to do that um like it's all just sort of like histories of stuff or um just sort of like the facts of something,
2: yeah I also don't um, and- I, I don't think you need a how-to book sometimes though like I've, you've said it in the past, I don't know if you said it today, but um, you take you might have said in the last podcast actually, yeah taking a more generalist approach towards investing um, helps like widen your scope of yeah knowledge um, so that you can sort of comprehend more things
0: yeah. I I definitely, like, I definitely think, like, I've learned so much from reading just widely. Like, just reading stuff and, like, not necessarily, like, try and, like, go into a book and be like, oh, I'm going to try and find, like, investing tips in here. It's like, oh, no, I'm just going to read. Yeah. I'm just going to, like, read about Steve Jobs or I'm going to read about Elon Musk or, like, like like they've got good, they're good for a
2: little bit those kind of books like when you're first getting into it so you can sort of get the lingo and stuff down but yeah. after that it's like they're pretty much all the same
0: yeah and I just think that like you you can get trapped in uh in a world of reading these how-to books and everyone's saying the same thing and it's like I just and not I, doing I, anything I don't think, as well yeah I don't think and like, not the acting. depth of knowledge really like it's like I, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't do those things like if that's I think you should understand what you're doing when you're reading yeah. those types of books, um I read because I want to just develop knowledge of stuff, it doesn't yeah. necessarily matter what that stuff is
2: information,
0: yeah, um, and so, like I've got books in here, like um one of the favorite books I've read in the last sort of twenty four months is. Uh, the Run of His Life by Jeffrey Toobin, which is about the O.J. Simpson trial, and like you need I, to
2: also watch that on
0: Netflix. Yeah, oh, that one. how good is that? I loved it. Yeah, that's what the um, the Run of His Life is actually. That's what the show was based on. Oh, uh, okay. It's yeah. um essentially the book was written by a um a journalist who covered the trial. Um, so it's trying to be a bit more balanced. Like all the other books are literally written by like Marsha Clark. And, um, there was one that was supposedly written by OJ, but I'm sure like he got someone else to write it for him. (laughs) Um, like everyone, like all the, um, all of the lawyers wrote books uh, about the case. Um, so obviously they're going to be very biased um, yeah. I'm still gonna. I'm, I'm going to read them at some point because, again, it's interesting just to get that perspective. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna read them at some point. But yeah, so that that book was really good. Um, and then I've got books. I I really like the author Ken Follett. He writes fiction. Yep. Um, and he's got a an epic series. Um, it's it's a trilogy. Um, called the century trilogy and essentially what it does is it sets up three I don't know, five families i think it sets up a bunch of families um and it opens in 1912 i think and then essentially follows those families in the first book it follows them through the first world war and like one family's uh british there's an american family there's a russian family there's a german family Um, And it follows them through the first world war in the first book. The second book follows the same families through the second world war. Mm -hmm. And then the third book follows them through essentially like the like seventies, eighties, which is essentially the cold war. Um, And that's like just very interesting to get an idea of what life was like back in those times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, like, it's not like I'm not specifically learning anything. It's just a really cool story, but then you also you do learn stuff from it. Sorry, that um, podcast went completely not what we were planning. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think it was good. So we'll yeah. we'll do the we'll do the podcast on um, streaming services next week. <laughs> um, so if you guys want to tune in for that, that'll be uh, next week's podcast. So uh, thanks for listening, guys, and yeah, we'll see you next week.